As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling. It is week nine it is time to pick the games against the spread. There are rivalry games with three touchdown spreads. This is a weird week, Nicole and Ari. This is, I you know, usually this is the kind of week where we would call it like separation Saturday. Or, you know, game day comes up with some, some creative name for it. This is like, will the rival who is expected to get trounced actually show up week? Yeah, this is not is- good branding. Like, maybe it's one of the weeks where everyone just kind of wears out, like, you throw out the records when it's a rivalry game, but <laughs> yeah, that's right. doesn't really feel like that. Like, this is a year where we feel like we've got a pretty clear indication of which teams are better. The The lines are, are reflecting that. But then there's also some weird ones, right, where, like, truly Michigan should have beaten Michigan State last year. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Michigan State has Mel, Huck, Mel Tucker 2-0 and in this record, in this rivalry. So you think Michigan should win and win handily. And, and on paper, that's absolutely what it would. But like there have been weird things in these games. So I, I'm going to keep some optimism that maybe we will get some weirdness. But I think you're absolutely right that they're, at least coming into the weekend, some clear separation. How long has it been since we actually should throw out the records? Because I feel like as uh, time when, goes on, when, that's when becoming Florida more and beat more. Georgia, Will Muschamp's last year, they had already written the press release about Muschamp getting fired, and then they ran a fake field goal where a guy who had a shift at Publix the next day, who a walk on who was eventually going to go to medical school, uh, scored a touchdown. That is the last time I remember truly throwing what, out the record books. What about what, the kick six was also right? I mean, that was one that where was, we yeah, went into the game. We thought, yeah, we, yep. we thought very clearly that Alabama was going to win. So there's occasional. occasional I just, examples. I feel like the teams that are involved in these big time rivalries are now more and more, increasingly more lopsided with the talent they have on their team. That these upsets that are insane just are happening less frequently. So you know, I think that we're all hoping that they come well, back. Ari, but, Ari, what would have been your d- explanation for for Michigan State beating Michigan last year? Well, Michigan State wasn't an absolute dumpster fire last year, right? So they were very I mean, good. They had similar records coming into the game, but <laughs> but, as we but he's like, saying that their separation. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Kenneth no, Walker, there's, I think, there's close games. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but that I mean, what was the, the spread of that game? Was less than a touchdown. So it's right. not like it was like some major 
Like, if Michigan State wins tomorrow, that would be a throw-your-record game out. Like, yes. I thought that last year was a, a – at the point where they met, Michigan turned out no, to be my, much better. My, my, my only point there was that, like, you, you know, some of these programs are separating from the rivals. Like, last year it wasn't. There wasn't, like, this the same type of separation that there is this year between those two teams. Right, so, right. So, like, in um, history – like, historically, like, if we took, like, Ohio State, Penn State, there has been this gap, right? That one's different. Well, yeah, Ohio State, I, I think Penn State, that State actually – let. Let's talk about that. That is our our what to watch for game presented by Sling uh, on Fox, big noon Saturday. Ari, we talk about this all the time. Penn State, no matter the gap that you see in the other games, seems to play Ohio State close. Ohio State is favored by 15 and a half on the road. That feels big given the history of the series. Yeah, I think that it was 16 and a half last year. Um and every single year, Ohio State seems to be head and shoulders better than Penn State. They lay two and a half touchdowns. You think they're going to win by 25, 26, 27, 28. And then all of a sudden, it's Penn State that's losing by four in the middle of the third quarter. And you're like, how the hell do we get into a game like this? And I actually am learning from my mistakes this year. And I'm riding Penn State this year. Because like the spread, to me, is begging you to take Ohio State. Um but Penn State and James Franklin, if there's one thing that I could be endlessly complimentary of when it comes to James Franklin and what he's built there is that they are constantly, you know, I think well, this is the eighth time they've played under his tenure. I think that seven or six out of the eight games have been closer than you would anticipate and Penn State's even won one. So I personally think that Penn State, even though there's no rational explanation for it, the spread is telling you to take Ohio State, and that's the wrong thing to do. So I'm fading Ohio State this week, giving Penn State the uh, the respect it deserves to constantly bring down Ohio State into these mud fight games where, um, you know, there's a bunch of weird penalties and fumbled snaps and people are just playing a certain way that is uncharacteristic, and Penn State brings it out of them every year. They do, and this game is is in Happy Valley, which is kind of weird because last week's game was the whiteout. And I feel like usually the whiteout game is Ohio State or Michigan, but that's just a separate They blew their whiteout. I'm not really sure how they plan that. I don't think they want to do it at noon. No, I I think they want it to be a night game, but I don't know how they plan that in advance. Whatever it was, it was good. I mean, they won. It was part of, like, it was was a very therapeutic game and night for Penn State last week. I'm going to take Ohio State here because... Coming off a very lopsided win in one of the weirder blowouts that we've seen in in the <laughs> Ohio State-Iowa game last week, all we've really been talking about Ohio State is, okay, so C.J. Stroud was under pressure a lot. Iowa was in his face a lot. He didn't look as comfortable. Can he run the ball a little bit or at least move with his legs to open up some stuff? What about the run game? Michigan was able to run on Iowa. You know, Ohio State wasn't. I just think they're going to come out here and just blitz Penn State. I mean, I think they're going to prove that they can run the ball. I think they're going to prove that they can throw it all over the field. Um, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Buckeyes. If Ohio state wins this game by and covers the spread, does that mean that we have got to go an entire season without seeing them play a close game until they play Michigan until yes. they play Michigan? I, I, I would think yes. yeah, they'll, they'll get one against Michigan. But so to your point, Ari, Ohio state's won the last five meetings and the largest margin of victory is 13. So obviously that would not cover this spread, but I, I think I agree with Nicole here because given what we've seen this season, Iowa's defense is probably better than Penn State's defense. And 
slowly but surely Ohio State chipped away and then the dam broke on Iowa. Now, I think Penn State's offense will make it somewhat easier for for Penn State's defense than Iowa's offense did. But I I mean, this is a a better Ohio State defense than we saw last year too. So I I think they're going to cover. See, I think that what you guys are doing is completely rational and you're using the logic of of what the teams bring to the table as part of your analysis. Right. And but his, history where, tells us we're going to be wrong. So like, right. I'm that's just, what, that's what I'm Ari's just, saying. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying like, I'm going to go the other way with it because like, I want you guys, if you, when you watch this game on Saturday to pretend like you bet a thousand dollars on Ohio state minus 15 and watch it through that lens. And then you'll see Ari, like, Ari, 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 you'll see what I'm we, talking about. Like the, but I, maybe I'll feel that way if I bet one dollar. Yeah, maybe I'm be saying I want you to really sweat. <laughs> I, it, it, we don't need to do take that type of yeah. Like Ari's Ari and Ari's also every week on the show just saying like he picks something. The public's too high on something. It's these are I know that there's a lot when you're picking games about gut feel. But Ari's are really just like, this is a weird game. Everyone's picking the other one. I got to pick this one, which I respect. I think these are very important skills as a someone who is new to the sports gambling space to understand. I'm just taking notes yeah, from faith, Ari. Yeah, my the first two years were something. gut feeling, uh, and it didn't go well for me. So you got to have to, like, my gut feeling is that Ohio State would win this game 56 to 10 again. Like, that's yeah. what I think would happen. But every single year, I think that's going to happen because of the talent disparity and the way that the two teams are playing going into the game. And then next thing you know, there's a fumbled snap on the first drive or there's a nine holding penalties in the first 14 plays of the game. It's like there's <laughs> always these like weird things that kind of sabotage the momentum that they're trying to do. And I don't know. And I think that you have to credit Penn State. Like, right. When does it stop mm-hmm. being a coincidence? Isn't just for bad things. You know, right. it's for good That's things true. too. Like if you continually do uh certain things or or motivate your team in a way to cause Ohio State to play that way, it's not just Ohio State messing up, it's Penn State making them mess up. Um so if you think that Ohio State's just gonna come out and score four touchdowns in their first four drives, like that's not gonna happen. I will point out that Ari's fade the public game, Nicole, last week was you and I were like, that Texas Oklahoma State line is awfully weird. Texas is Texas is favored by a lot of points in this game. And Ari's like, fade the public, fade the public. So, yep. Yeah. And if uh, fading the public or, or making that thought process got you 100% wins, then I would be living somewhere else. But the fact of the matter <laughs> is, is that like if you watch that game, and like, I don't know, I want to tell you guys how I'm, how, how I gamble too. So, like, oh, when man. I'm, when I, no, no, when I do these yes, things, yes, please, please. I often around. Double, Uncle Ari you, has you something to tell us. He doubles down in the middle of it. I, I, I don't always double down. I, I fade the, the side that's winning to try to hit a middle. Yeah. So last week when you I had Texas six and a half and Texas was kicking their ass for three quarters, uh, then there was a point in time where Oklahoma State was a 14 and a half point favorite. Or I mean a 14 and a half or a 17 and a half point underdog. I can't remember which one it was. And you take that side hoping that it lands somewhere in the middle. That way you're safeguarding yourself from losing any money at all. And a lot of times both hit. So like, I'm like watching the games. I got the live lines up. Like I'm there. This is a, a, a full on degenerate mode over here. And, uh, you know, that you got mad that I'm Bill Hancock bet from the Brown. CFP called you a degenerate. And you just, just trying to be smart one. about it. He, I just want to be well, smart an, about it. Here's another one that I was upset. I didn't know about, cause you know how you take in these outside factors and you know, the history and a rivalry, et cetera, et cetera. 
We thought it was weird that Wisconsin was favored over Penn State or Purdue last week. Right. I was unaware. We were right about that. No, but I was unaware that Purdue was 0 and 8 following the release of a Taylor Swift album. That is information uh, yeah, I could have used. They have those on the gambling sheets, on the betting sheets, if you want trends. Uh, <laughs> but you, we nailed you, that one, right? The, Didn't we all nail that one? There, well, and there was a Texas stat on that too. They were they had a pretty good record when uh, Taylor Swift released an album. Yeah, they're like but they're the, like seven and one. Ohio State's yeah, undefeated. So they're the only the, undefeated the, team after a Taylor album. I think it's the probably other the other one like with Texas was in games in the last ten years. Texas has won eleven <laughs> games. That is, or, or Texas has won at least eleven games in every year that Jennifer Lopez has gotten married. And I think <laughs> this is the year that breaks the trend. So. Oh really? How many no, times has I would she have bet more now. on Texas last week. She's been uh, married, but this. But my reaction to my reaction to the Penn four. State Ohio Ohio State game isn't the line uh, or the action. I don't even know which way the action's going. It's just having been through this a few times. I, I just you'll see it. Uh, we have a scientific term in my mail uh, in my gambling group chat. That's called uh, grab ass. That's what that this game is full of grab ass. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. So these lines, by the way, presented by BetMGM. I want to go to the SEC for a game that also has a double-digit line, but I think could be... Very, very interesting, and that is Kentucky at Tennessee. Tennessee is a 12.5-point favorite. Kentucky is probably as healthy as they've been all season. Will Levis, he missed the South Carolina game, but he came back for the Mississippi State game. They had a, a week off after that. This is probably their Super Bowl. This is a huge game for them. Tennessee has Georgia next week. Scary look-ahead spot for the Vols. You guys think Kentucky can make this a game one or two? Can Kentucky pull off the shocker? You know what this game reminds me of, Andy? And I don't know if you can hmm. remember, but last season when uh, Kentucky started off 6-0 and last year and we were like high on them and they were like, oh my God, they're really good. And then they had this game where they were going to Georgia and like I was trying really, really hard to like talk myself into Kentucky like and, and being really, like, no, really good. No, just no, and I'm like, no. And I took Kentucky. I'm like, I think we had a bet on that game and I lost. And I was like, Kentucky's actually really tough, and I know Georgia's probably going to win, but the spread was like 18 or 19, and I was like, that's a lot of points for a team that can hang in there. And then Georgia sucked the soul. It was like the it was like the uh, original, but not the original, but the uh, prototype for the Georgia sucking your soul out of your chest game. And I yeah, think it I was think, like 28 to nothing in the Arkansas second quarter last year. But yeah. the Kentucky one was especially egregious. It was like yeah. Kentucky couldn't even get a first down. They were down 24 to nothing in the middle of the second quarter. And uh, it didn't. Uh, so this guy, Doys just said they covered the game last year. Oh, they yeah. did. It was like a backdoor cover, wasn't it? Oh, they scored a, a touchdown with four seconds left to lose by 17. So I guess they did. And maybe I'm confused with I'm, I'm confused with the Kentucky game 
with another one of the Georgia game. Maybe I'm no, confused with not, Georgia you're not Arkansas. Confused. It was it was it was completely and utterly dominant. It was the the score was thirty to thirty to seven right before yeah, thirty that. to seven, and then I think Kentucky ended up covering. I think the game that I'm thinking of is uh Georgia, Arkansas, where it was just a complete right. and we were, from start we were and we were buying get, in. Yeah, and that was yeah. when everyone was real high on So the question Arkansas. I have for you guys, and I think the point I was trying to make still stands. Um have you bought into what Kentucky or to, uh, completely into what Tennessee is and how bought in are you into Kentucky being good? Cause I think that'll help determine it. Cause if Tennessee is the team that people are upset about that, we're not putting them into the number one spot in the playoff or a team that beat Alabama and the, and all that stuff, they should win this game going away. No problem. But if we're not quite sure where Tennessee is in terms of in elite company, then I think I would lean towards Kentucky here. So I'm very curious where you guys stand on Tennessee as a legit, potentially national championship contender. So Andy, I, I'll I let think you go first. Tennessee is, yeah, I think Tennessee is good and and very good at times. I think they're imperfect because their defense is susceptible to giving up a lot of points and a lot of yards. But I don't think they're they're necessarily like it's not their defense is bad. Like we've seen their defense actually be dominant against LSU. So it's they have that in them, which is why I'm leaning toward Tennessee just might be that good. Offensively, I I, I have the utmost faith in Tennessee to keep scoring. I, I so full disclosure, I'm in Knoxville right now. I'm covering this game, and the the folks in Knoxville, the the Tennessee you know coaches players, they they feel very confident. But I think the the thing people worry about is, will there be a clunker offensively? Will there be a day where they're just out of rhythm? Is that I actually think the way that they that Tennessee runs the ball makes it very hard for them to be out of rhythm. And Hendon Hooker's pretty smart about running it when when there's not an open receiver. So I, I think it's hard to get out of rhythm for them. So I think they're going to be fine scoring. This was a shootout last year though, and Levis played a great game. And Tennessee won. Ten- this was actually kind of the turning point for Tennessee, like where those guys were like, okay, maybe we are pretty good. So I think I think I'm going with Tennessee here. I think they're going to be able to cover, but I, I know the, the the big fear is at some point some defense is going to make it look harder to score than they've made it look this season, and maybe this is the one. But I, I think Tennessee's going to be all right here. Yeah, I do too. I I do fully buy into what they do and who they are offensively, the efficiency in the past game, the the way they absorbed punches against Alabama kept coming. I mean, I feel like if there's been a number of Tennessee games where going in, I'm just wondering about the opponent and whether they can hold serve enough because you just yeah. expect Tennessee to put points on the board, the opposite of Max Olsen's stop rate, right? Like just the, mm-hmm. the go rate. And I think I like that it. that's... Yeah, I, I think yeah, go rate. I mean, they're finding they're finding they're getting points. They're getting they're getting into the end zone. I think that I do still wonder, you know, especially Andy, you mentioned just the amount of yardage and big plays, um, especially through the air that they've given up. Um, you know, their passing defensive numbers are not not great. But in this era of college football, can you win a lot of big games without having a great, great defense? Yes. Um, are you going to be able to win games possibly like this one? If you can absorb punches and score more? Yes. So I still think that I'm going to go with Tennessee. I have had them number one 
in my overnight rankings on Saturday night, which admittedly are a little goofy. They're not like as serious as as some other sets of rankings. But I still think the win over Alabama is the best win anyone has this year. I, I don't know if the selection committee is going to agree with me. They may think it's that that Georgia win over Oregon. I don't know. But I think that Tennessee backs it up with the eye test, you know, as long as you don't focus too much on yeah. the defense and the defense doesn't cost you games. Well, Cedric Tillman, who's been out since the Akron game, is probably going to give it a try. We'll, we'll see how how much he can play. He had the tightrope procedure on his ankle, he had a high ankle sprain. But they've, they've really moved the ball well without him. And so I don't know that they need him to score a bunch in this game. But the, if, if he's playing, that's another thing Kentucky has to worry about. And really, it's, it's to make Georgia worry about it. Because what do you do? Like, how do you cover Jalen Hyatt if you're, if you're concentrating resources on Cedric Tillman? Because I mean, Cedric Tillman was a was a thousand yard receiver last year. Jalen Hyatt has now, you know, become the the new hotness. Is Chad Ochocinco's favorite receiver? Uh, Chad said, uh, "I need a Jalen Hyatt jersey because it, it definitely means I'm scoring." I mean, it's it is a full on mania here in Knoxville. Yeah, my uh, has, has, my tendency has he, gotten, is, has he gotten a Hyatt nil deal yet? Are they aware of him yet? Uh, we need to no, but get we look at the Hyatt slogan. Well. So I, I have a story in the athletic Thursday on Jalen Hyatt and all of the stuff that's happened to him since five touchdowns. His dad is the one he 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 doesn't want to deal with any of this stuff, the NIL, the agents and all that. So he just gives them his dad's phone number and his dad's like, you would not believe how many people are calling. My favorite thing, though, that they've done. And this this is actually Joey Kent's company, Joey Kent, the former great Tennessee receiver uh, there. He has a company called the Legendary Play and. So if your team has a big play, like uh, like second and 26 when Alabama beat Georgia, they may, they make an art print that shows the play design and then where the ball went. Oh, that's and cool. so for the Jalen Hyatt one, it's all five touchdown routes. It's really cool. And so they, and they have those for different teams and different players in the NFL and in college football. I think they do in different sports too. So, um, but that's my favorite of the things. But Jalen Hyatt trying to <laughs> avoid all that stuff if he can. He was like, you know, after the Alabama game, he said three nights later, he's in the indoor catching on the jugs machine at, at nine o'clock at night just to kind of get away from from all that. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles that. Hyatt's but said, slogan as a company, guys, is we care for people so they can be at their best. You're telling me we can't oh. figure it out? We can't. Yeah, we can't. On. So I had, there. I had a right conversation there. With, some people, with some people at Tennessee about that. The big national companies can't move fast enough to capitalize That's what I was on thinking. these things. That's what, like, yeah. they, and are they even aware of this yet? Like, this could take a minute to finally get up to like the global Hyatt execs right, exactly. that need to know. But it's right there. It's right there yeah. in front of them. <laughs> it's so you know, perfect. I think but, Hyatt but like, needs to, to stop me from being confused by which hotel the playoff committee is meeting at. <laughs> that's not that's not Hyatt's that was fault. entirely that, that was entirely your fault. There, and, there are two yes, Hyatt's within a there are two quarter of a mile Hyatt's from at each the other. Dallas Yes, at the Dallas Fort Worth Airport. You could have asked which one though before showing up. At the I know. Airport. I assumed that it was at the one that we went to before. I'm sorry, I didn't think that and, it was and the, the playoff, other one. That the was playoff selection committee meets at a Marriott property. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's, that's why that's more confusing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, and I hear that has a wonderful Christmas exhibit that we're going to it take. It is amazing. To. They do it, it ice. Has like we used to do ten restaurants. Ice at the one in this Orlando. This place is huge. Yeah, they yeah. have a nice oh, skating yeah. rink. Yeah. Oh, no, they they did this. I was hoping I could break my ankle for New Year's. 
At, at the one in Orlando, they do this thing every year called ice, where they basically create this huge ice playground. And you, this is, we're Floridians, we're idiots, we're not used to cold. So we pay for someone to hand us a parka so we can go slide around on ice. That's, that's what we do. Proud That's of you. Great, you want to just come visit me <laughs> yeah. in it Chicago? Like you, you, wanna, you come come in like a week. It'll be just, we'll be just like you that. You just hit the down button in Nicole's elevator. <laughs> it's not that cold yet. It's like forty five degrees, guys. It's actually oh, quite she, nice. yeah, Chicago nice doesn't weather. get super cold till November. I don't think that there's any place in the world, you know, maybe Antarctica, that is worse to be in than Chicago in the winter. <laughs> like, that is absolutely false. Chicago is miserable in the winter. When the wind comes off the lake and blows through those when giant buildings. On, like, that's crap. the hardest part of winters when it's really windy and it's always windy there. Yeah, but I don't live like on the lake. I live downtown. It's not. It, My ex-girlfriend four, used to I live in Chicago four, and I used to go I visit did, her there all the time. And like in the winter I time, I don't think I've ever winters, been colder. Four winters in Ann Arbor, six winters in, in New York City. Basically, same weather. Sometimes it's rain instead of snow. It's super cold everywhere. I already had the, the boots and the, the coats. I mean, it's just winter. It's winter. It makes you tougher. I went Happy to, to an Ohio State game on the road State. in Minnesota in November. Andy, you are November. Soft. I know. And that was the coldest I've ever been in my entire life. The coldest I ever was was I covered covered the pinstripe bowl when it was Iowa Boston College. Do you guys remember this Ooh, a couple years ago? Yes. Yes. My my fingers were froze. Like I could not keep my fingers inside in in gloves typing. They they froze too much. After one quarter, I went inside and watched the game on TV. I could not do it. And we can ask Scott Dockerman. He was there too. That is the coldest I have ever been. And I was the co- bundled up, had layers, had like hand warmers, cold warmers cuz it's an outdoor press box. So and it's a Dece- it was like December 28th. Maybe not the best idea to play a football game at that point, but it was frozen. I was the, the, I've never been that cold. But the thing the about Chicago I've is, ever that been it's is not, I- it, it doesn't get colder than other places. It just feels colder because you're inundated with wind in your face. Coldest I've ever been is in Syracuse covering a basketball game. Of course, it's warm in the dome, but we go to a hotel bar after the game. It's it's one of the, it's a holiday inn where the band is playing behind plexiglass. It was one of those. I was not staying in that hotel. I was staying in one down the street, but I had walked there. And I start walking back, and I realize I'd taken a wrong turn out of the hotel. And um, um, it's very cold. I mean, the, the wind chill is is probably below zero. And I am not equipped for that. And And I'm thinking, and I remember having to use the bathroom, and I'm thinking... I'm not sure how long it's going to take me to get back to the hotel. I think I can make it, but if I can't, do I do I dare outside? And I'm like, it might freeze before it hits the ground. So I'm going <laughs> to just keep trucking back to my hotel. And that's why Andy couldn't couldn't have hacked it as a Syracuse student. That's why I'm not a, a you know world class level announcer now because I. Have you guys I ever watched it. Fargo before? Of course. Have you seen all those like? Th- those uh, jackets they wear that zip up and it like goes around their face so it's just like a hole. I would just get one of those. <laughs> yes. That's when what I, I went needed. To, I, I went in college. Um, Michigan played Fairbanks, uh, Alaska Fairbanks in hockey. And I was like, <laughs> when else am I ever going to go to Alaska? So I went to Fairbanks and it was when like, the it was only light from like 11 a.m. Your to student newspaper <laughs> sent you to Alaska to cover a hockey they, game? They sent part of it and then I paid part of it because like again when else am I ever going to go to when Alaska? When are you going to go? Yeah. So, so we went dog sledding. We saw the pipeline. We did all these things. It was literally light from like 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. every day and then it was dark. 
And we went to the campus and like got dropped off there and people had to leave their cars plugged in because otherwise they wouldn't get to restart them because we were so close to the Arctic Circle. I was like, oh my God. Oh. Yeah, that's probably it, it is so there. funny because wherever you are, <laughs> it's normal for them. Like that's yeah, normal for them. Yeah. Yeah. Adapt. If you live in if you live in South Dakota, you you have like the portable heater in the in the car that they give, you know, when you rent a car there, they give you one and you're like, you're gonna need this. And you're like, why? But so, here's the problem with Chicago guys. Okay. You walk outside a lot. Like in a lot of these cold places, you walk to your car and you drive and then you go inside. In Chicago, you like are forced for the most part to walk places outside and it's very windy. So I think that's why I've had a terrible Uber exists in Chicago, are you don't have to walk. Either way, you are walking yes. in a downtown street trying to find a car. You are outside far more than you would be if you just got into a car in a garage and drove away. All right. I don't Enough think Enough complaining this is about actually, Chicago. You women. walk outside way more than I do to go to places. There's well, no question. My point, my point on all of this, to pull it back to college football, is this is why I'm excited about on-campus playoff games. Because people have yes. to play in the cold. 100%. 100%. Or if you play They're Ohio coming. State in a playoff game, you have to play them in Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Ford Field. Yeah. <laughs> Michigan State headed to the big house. 22 and a half point underdogs. We talked about it earlier in the show, guys. This game last year, given what we saw the rest of the season, Michigan State should not have beaten Michigan, but they did in what I think was the most fun game of last season. Is this going to be fun at all? I think you had the most fun because you watched it with me live. We did We Aww. did live stream it. It was pretty oh, amazing. That's cute. That's cute. I think he likes my company more than, more than he realizes, which is weird because I don't have a lot of people in my life that feel that way. I've got my wife. I, I like your company, Ari. Yeah, but we've never spent eight hours together straight. You Give fed me cottage cheese last week, and that was enough. That's true. Yeah, that, that counts for at least two hours. <laughs> it does. It does. Okay, so how you, do you see anyway. the game? How do you see this uh, year's game without Andy by Michigan your side? I think Michigan is going to kill them. I think they're going to destroy them and dismantle them and embarrass them. i not throwing any of the records out. I'm very much considering the records. Michigan State sucks, and Michigan has already illustrated an ability to – to they like they're hyper focused on Ohio State, right? And it was a team that was, you know, fairly put more talented than them, and they took the screws to them last year. Could you imagine if they are tired of being called little brother, big brother, all this back and forth in an in-state rivalry against the team they're infinitely better than? Like, and it's in Michigan, right? So it is. Yeah, uh, I mean, exactly. it was. All, it's, it's always in Michigan house. because they're know, both I mean, in Michigan. That, okay, I mean, it's in, in Ann Arbor. House. Yes. So yes. yeah, yes. I mean, it's it's. I think it's going to be a bloodbath, guys. I I am with you. I think I might feel a little bit differently if Michigan had won last year or something, you know, other things have happened. But Mel Tucker is 2-0 in this series, and Michigan should have won probably each of the last two. I mean, this is just a this is a team that is far superior to Michigan State. Michigan State still got all those problems defensively. Um, you know, good for them on on you know beating Wisconsin and and getting you know, look, finding some areas to to have some positivity. Peyton Thorne was playing better, but it's just like these teams are not in the same weight class right now. And I just think, you know, out of the frustrations of the times that Jim Harbaugh's teams have not beaten Michigan State, they are going to take it out on them this year. And I also think that they are continually trying to 
add wrinkles and improve things offensively. I'm waiting to see a little bit more of a deep passing game from J.J. McCarthy. This is the team to try that against. So, yes, I also would take Wolverines. Uh, the only way this game doesn't cover, I think, is if the final score is 45 to 24 or something. So here's my question. Over under Michigan rushing yards, 300. Mm. Um, Michigan State's struggles have mostly been stopping the, the pass. Yeah. The, the, the best quarterbacks um, they've played have average, averaged at least, well, Michael Penix, I think, averaged 9.9. Yards per attempt, but Stroud averaged like thirteen point five. Tanner Morgan averaged like eleven. I might go. I, I might go under. I would under say 300, under two. Over two hundred. Under three hundred. Like two hundred and forty yards per game on the ground this year. So they're not. They're Michigan also sta- like they're not going to need to do that early, and then you know they'll salt it away. Like I, I think it's between two hundred and three hundred. Michigan State held Wisconsin to three point nine yards a carry after three consecutive weeks of at least five yards a carry. They've they've had time to prepare for this game. The Wisconsin game felt like a somewhat of a turning point. Yeah, but Wisconsin's offense is nowhere near what Michigan. No, is. not what Michigan's is. But you know what? I'm going to take Michigan State to cover here. I don't think they're going to win, but I'm going to take okay. them to cover because it, if you look at at Mel Tucker's history, the one year at Colorado, the 2020 weird year at Michigan State, and then last year. They're, they get up for games that they have no business being in. And they went, they've won a couple of those. And I would argue that the Michigan game last year, in hindsight, was one of those. He, he, he knows how to get his team up for a big game. Now, the, the, the ninja trick that Nick Saban does and, and Kirby Smart does is they get their team up for every game. So that's where Mel Tucker yeah. has, to, has to improve. But he does seem to have that gift for getting them up for big games. I don't think they're good enough to hang with Michigan and win the game, but they might be good enough to get within three touchdowns. I think it is an interesting thing to bring up right now, but the last time that there was a sentiment that Jim Harbaugh should be fired and that Michigan uh, was never going to reach where it wanted to be was when they lost that game last year. And think about how much has changed in a year. And I've been somebody who's been very critical of Jim Harbaugh and uh, you know what they were doing. And I wanted to take a moment to like appreciate that they're a, a legitimately really good football team this year. Um, and I thought they were going to fall off after last year and they have not. And like it, they have, this is the, I guess the final product of what you pay Jim Harbaugh all that money for. And they finally got there and they're there. So I wanted to acknowledge that. And I covered that game. They were the better team in the game. They lost it at the end. They mm-hmm. couldn't finish. And Kenneth Walker was insane, right? That was Kenneth Walker's Heisman. 4A, his entrance into the Heisman Trophy race. And it was one where, and again, I'm I'm prepared to have a lot of anger related to these college football playoff rankings, even though I know they don't matter, and I tell myself them all the time, the midseason ones You can't go in angry. Don't go in angry. No, I am going to go in angry. But last year, <laughs> remember, everyone got upset because the selection committee said, nope, Michigan is better than Michigan State. And they were correct, even though those two teams had played head-to-head. And they talked about how Michigan actually controlled the game, et cetera, et cetera. And we were all like, why are they playing? Why, what's the point of playing these games? They were correct. And that is how the game was as someone who covered it and someone who watched it. And that taught Michigan how to finish games. And, you know, again, it laid the groundwork for a lot of things that happened afterwards. But you're absolutely right that it was an inflection point about how do you respond to a loss like that in a game you shouldn't have lost. And so they've obviously figured that out 
in the uh, and they turned sense. around and beat Ohio State and made the playoff. I mean, it was yep. exactly what. Now I'm very curious to see what Michigan will do on Saturday night in this game. Um, if they will treat it like and perform like they are uh, one of the five best teams in America, or if it's going to be one of those disgusting uh, rivalry games that you know they these two teams tend to play. But uh, <laughs> I think that Michigan, I think they deserve the respect to assume that they are going to take care of business because they've given us no reason to think otherwise. And Michigan state just is, doesn't like, do they have any dynamic game changing players on their team this year, the way they did last year? It, it doesn't feel like it. So that, so, that that's where, that's I mean, my concern is, is how they score. But I still think again, they find ways to get up for, for games like this so far in, in Mel Tucker's brief. But it's easier to get up when you have Kenneth Walker on your team. Yeah, but they didn't, they didn't have anybody in 2020. And I realized that, Mich- uh, that Michigan was, Michigan was a team was they should be, down. but real down. they did beat Northwestern. <laughs> Remember, they beat Big Ten West champ Northwestern that year too, and had no business being in that game. So, no, it's, I think it's, that Michigan State wins games that they shouldn't win. But I think if you get to the echelon of what Michigan is supposed to be this year, it doesn't jive with that type of team. That, they, that they've ascended. I, I, I got you. Like, the, Michigan has ascended how, into because it's how Ohio State beats Michigan State. Because Ohio yeah, State or getting closer to that. beats the crap out of Michigan State every year, you know, for the most part, not 2015, of course. But it, it last year, Michigan State had a really good year and they couldn't even stay on the field with Ohio State. It's like I think at what at some point we have to start viewing uh, Michigan as closer to Ohio State's uh, counterpart than the Michigan yeah. State's counterpart. We'll be right back after these words. There's another team that has obviously ascended because they won the national title last year, but they are in the beat the crap out of teams. They're supposed to beat the crap out of most of the time. And that's Georgia. They are also a 22 and a half point favorite this week Wow! in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Yep. And, and this has been, this is the least discussion I can remember about a Florida Georgia game in the last, I don't know, 12, 15 years. It's so not interesting that you left your state where Georgia is playing in it. To right. cover another SEC game that was eight hours away. <laughs> that is more interesting. Yes, That's, you're right. Yeah, no, it is more interesting. But well, yeah, the, I mean, think about what everyone's been talking about about this game. It's whether the game should stay in Jacksonville or if it should be home and home. That's like not at all about the actual game for this year. That's about yeah. the future well, of the series. And so I'm going to break ranks with most of the folks who who went to Florida. I've always thought it should be on campus. Athens is the best college town in America. Sanford Stadium is awesome. The swamp is amazing when Florida's good. It'd be better on campus. No offense to the people of Jacksonville, but that stadium's hard to get to. It's, you know, it's a sterile NFL stadium. It's just not. I, I realize that's where the game's been and there's lots of history, but trust me, the game would be awesome if you played it in Gainesville and Athens. So. Yeah, I don't it's think there's very many college football people who think a uh, neutral site it would be better than. Well, I think Texas Oklahoma is fun as a neutral site game. Yes, if at that the one fair, it's played and, in a college football stadium though. It's played in a in a complete dump, but but the dump happens to be in the middle of the state fair. So that's but the 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 game in Jacksonville. I don't think being in Jacksonville does anything for the game. And I know some people like you know they have their weekends planned out and all that. And obviously the the classic Larry Munson call. All those places where all those dog people have their condos. I'm telling you, it'd be more fun on campus. 
is there is there any way Florida keeps this interesting? Keeps it good. I mean, if it's yes. Anthony Richardson goes nuts, yes, yeah, we're going to talk about the, this game. The I think so, but the the thing is, we've seen him go nuts once, and that was Tennessee. And admittedly, a lot of the going nuts was after Tennessee had built a massive lead. Now, Florida did have an onside kick at the end of the game where if they'd recovered it, they would have had a chance. But I don't I don't think Georgia's defense is going to let him do that. And, and we've seen when he has to face a defense that has a bunch of dudes on it, it's it's tough sledding for them offensively. I, I think that their best their best chance as an offense is when they can run the ball and people are afraid of the backs running and Richardson running. And then you're not relying on Richardson to throw for a million yards, but George is so hard to run on. Like that, that's, that's the problem is you can't get that going to get him feeling comfortable as a passer. And so, I mean, you saw it last year that Dan Mullen start gave him his first start in this game. And I feel like, you know, I, that was, that was Dan saying, stop telling me to start this guy. I'm going to set him up to fail against the the best defense in the world. And there was a period right before the half where everything just completely imploded. And yes, that's, that's that. the thing you're, you're, that one. you're concerned about is Georgia scores quick turnover deep in Florida territory. Georgia scores again and it, it's over. And like Florida's not shown us anything to say that that's not what's going to happen. The other thing is Florida's defense last few weeks, what we've seen from them Georgia should be able to move the ball fairly comfortably and regularly down the field and not necessarily, I mean, they, they don't have to play, they don't have to have that explosive a passing game. They can just move it, you know, in, in smaller chunks and control the game. Uh, sounds like Jalen Carter's not going to play. Sounds like A.D. Mitchell's not quite ready to play yet. It, it The Florida folks are probably just, the, this is the part that, that probably hurts their hearts the most. It probably doesn't matter if Jalen Carter plays. Like the fact that Georgia can say, we don't need Jalen Carter for Florida. We need to make sure he's back and ready for Tennessee. That's the part that just drives the the shiv into the Florida people. But let's let's move to a, a few different games. Here's a game I'm very interested in because you've got two teams that came out of last week really banged up. Oklahoma State, they were dropping like flies against Texas. They are a one and a half point dog at Kansas State. So Chris Kleiman said that Adrian Martinez has not done much at practice, that they might try to play him. They don't know. Will Howard is definitely ready to play. So I'm guessing this is a Will Howard game. But this is how, – how much does Oklahoma State have left in the tank after gutting out the win against Texas last week? That's, that's the question I have in a very tough road environment. And the week before they were in a very tough road environment. Yep. Yes. Uh, yep. So – I'm taking points if you're telling me that this tough Oklahoma State team uh, is going to go on the road and play a backup quarterback. I think I think that Oklahoma State's probably the side for me here. I'm kind of with you on that. I, I I'm also there. I I think um, I, I both of these teams are so representative to me of, of where how I see the Big Twelve, where I see a bunch of teams that are bunched up, all pretty good, um, all capable of beating each other in the lines each week as we see them. They're all like one three you know like they're all very very close so Vegas sees it the same but I'm with you guys I mean I think Adrian Martinez has been one of the best stories of college football season if he's not available um just takes away what what really he was adding and making that defense 
or that offense, you know, special and just what he was able to do. Um, specifically bringing all of that, all of those years of experience, but then, you know, running the ball, throwing it, just playing the best football of his career. So I, I also will go Oklahoma State. I didn't think that they were going to come all the way back and finish that game against Texas. They did. That was impressive. And they Spencer were like Sanders. very banged up and injured too to win that game that way. Yes. So yes. Um, but that's just like a good, that's just a good veteran team, I think mm-hmm. in the big 12 and the, you have to be really tough to go through the gauntlet that they've gone through the last couple weeks. And this is the team I thought might be the best in the big 12 entering the year. I still think they're, they're up in that upper echelon. TCU's obviously still undefeated. They're, they're way up there. So I, I think I'm also going to take the the one and a half points and, and go with the Cowboys. All right. So we, we got three of us taking the Cowboys, which congratulations on your win, Kansas State. Let's we go also all took, uh, we all also took um, Tennessee. So just be careful with that one, too. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> let's let's go to Morgantown, TCU, West Virginia. If you look at the records, TCU should be a much bigger favorite than seven and a half points in this game. Yes. But if you look at the the way the games have gone for West Virginia this season, this line to me feels about right. It's the Big 12. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The Big 12, really unpredictable. I also just think that TCU is playing above its head a little bit right now. I mean, they're, they're on a run here where they have gotten to play backup quarterbacks in how many games three uh they that nobody's finished a game against tcu no starting quarterback has finished a game against tcu in the past three three games yes okay so that's you know that's not something they can control but that is fortunate uh i like this tcu team i think they're good but i think they're playing than the greater than the sum of the parts right now max duggan's playing out of his mind um i think they will come back down to earth at some point west virginia though has been so up and down i don't know if it's going to be this game but it is a tough place to play and and there is like even though West Virginia has been up and down like there is potential with this offense they've got talent there um so I don't know I'm, I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm talking myself into West Virginia here I don't know if they're gonna win but I I do think at some point TCU is gonna come back down to earth well maybe and, and they played close games at a puddle. yeah they, they played close games at home they just have and, and the dam broke on them in Lubbock last week but that was in Lubbock so, yeah, yeah I I, know, I might take it's a West combination Virginia to of cover West here. Virginia plays close games at home, and everybody just waiting for TCU to step on the landmine. Yeah, yeah. Is right, that guys, too much we, though? That's what the public thinks. Sorry. No, I don't. I don't know what the the line's doing on this one, but <laughs> I, I I know that I wouldn't bet this. <laughs> just yeah, so it's, everybody it's, knows too, I just want you to know this, guys. Sometimes I'll throw some cash out there on games that are on TV that everyone's watching, but. The games that we pick are the most exciting, best games of the week. Those are the hardest games every week to bet on. Yeah. It's like that's the thing, too. It's just like we do this picks column every week where it's like pick the seven primetime games that are on this week that yeah. Vegas has looked at the hardest and tell us what you think. It's like, you know, where the money is, is made is Western K- Kentucky and Tulane. You know what I mean? Like that's that's where the, except, that's where the good except stuff happens. Except Ari, except Michigan Penn State because we both knew that one. Yeah, that's true. That was That was pretty easy. We head now to the Sickos <laughs> Committee Bowl. Nicole, tell us a little bit about the Sickos Committee for those those who don't know. Yes, yeah, so uh, this is a very fun story, near and dear to my heart. I wrote about the Sickos Committee, the account on Twitter. They've got 55,000 followers now. And I think it's become very general knowledge that there are Sickos games. 
We are aware of what is a sickos game. You know it when you see it. You can just feel it. Sometimes there's a game that you can just circle, like Iowa Northwestern, obvious sickos game. We are looking at the nation's worst offense and a team that has not won a game in the United States of America in over a year. That is obviously a sickos game. Um, Maction, fun belt, all that stuff, always sickos games just because they're fun and they're on weird times of the day. Um, and so I did a story about the sickos committee, the folks behind this account, um, how they determine what are sickos games, how they built this thing, the tone that they use, because I think they have a really good tone about not being mean. Like everyone's in on the joke, which is part of the reason that like Nebraska was the sickos team of the year last year because of all the ways that they won or all the ways that they lost one possession games this year. I mean, it's, it's, it's early to say, but it's going to be Iowa for sure. Cause I of asked course. them, I said, do you think, do you think this account would have been as popular over the last two years without Iowa football? And they said, no, because <laughs> they are finding new and creative ways to lose. And they love stuff like a blocked punt pick sixes, they love that kind of stuff. So um, that's part of it. And, you know, I, I just think it, they're really fun and it's refreshing because so much of college football internet is talking about the playoff, is talking about the top teams. And these are people who are dedicated to finding those stories and celebrating things outside of the, the top 25. And I think that's really cool. I try to do that. But, you know, there's only so many eyeballs and screens that you can have and they're watching everything because there's you know 10 to 20 of them that kind of behind this thing they they come up with a watch list of games for the week and all these different pieces um and it's funny because we also talked about the the sickos meme that they use right they photoshop kirk ferentz they photoshop mike gundy into the into the image that was from the onion in 2015 and uh, let me just quote Jordan Edmondson. He was he's the guy who does the graphics and some of the, the the memes that they create. He goes, we're the sickos because we watch everything. It's not the teams who are sickos. We're the ones who are sick. We're the ones in the window <laughs> looking in going, ha, 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 ha. Yes. At all these great games. And so anyway, I just I love these guys. They do a great job. And I just think it's a great addition to the college football Internet that you have people paying attention to New Mexico State and UConn and all of those types of teams. These guys are the purveyors of grab ass. Like that's what they <laughs> <Yes>. are. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wait. So here, here is a here is a quote. <laughs> so from um, J- uh, Jason Kirk, our pal um, from this corner of the internet, they consider him the godfather of the sickos committee because when he would do like a watch grid, he would say like this is a game just for sickos. He said that he enjoys about them is that they're very official and bureaucratic, right? Like they're a committee and they have (laughs) watch lists and games of the week and warnings and all these different things. And quote, they take up the language of a committee, but it's a committee of football perverts enjoying the worst representation of the silliest sport. I feel like that's the perfect (laughs) description. And that's the perfect description of this game. Let me, let me throw some stats at you. Iowa Northwestern Northwestern is an 11 and a half point dog going to Kinnick stadium in Iowa city. So this is the, 106th best offense in terms of yards per play. That's Northwestern against the 130th best offense in terms of yards per play. That is Iowa. Now where the rubber really meets the road in this matchup and why the line is where it is and why the number is where it is. The number, by the way, the total is 37.5 and has come up actually as weird as that sounds. Uh, This is the, this is the, Number four defense in terms of yards per play allowed. That's Iowa. 
versus the 94th best defense in terms of yards per play allowed. That is Northwestern. What they're trying to say is Iowa's offense might actually score, but Northwestern's will not. I'm very excited for this game in a non-ironic way. Um, I think that when I look at the 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 line on the game and then also that the total has gone up, I think that they're baking in a defensive score from from Iowa. I that's well, they my score only, one every week, so yeah. They, yeah, they, they basically <laughs> always do. Ari and I always discuss this as we're discussing the total. Um, so I think that that's part of it for sure. Also, you have a Northwestern team that loves to turn the ball over and you have an Iowa team that loves to force turnovers. So that's another area also going to be fascinated with Iowa's offense against Northwestern's defense, which has just been the bane of both fan bases existence for the last two years. And it's just, I don't know what new lows we can find for the Iowa offense, but I'm sure that there will be one in this game. This is this is going to be amazing. I can't wait. And I'm I, always I'm, like, bet the Iowa over. I'm like, nope, <laughs> not this time. <laughs> this, this one's going to be beautiful. But Northwestern, but Northwestern's defense is bad. Like they might be able to move the ball a little bit. I Just throw it to your tight ends. I don't. I don't think they will. It's it, it's going to be fascinating. We're going to watch. We have to. The committee has told yes. us. It's, it has been decreed. It's their game of the week. It's the sickos game of the week. Yeah, here's here's another one. I, I feel like North Carolina should be a Sickos committee favorite as well, just because their defense is so bad and their offense is so good. They're 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 essentially the anti Iowa. They like it, the the anti matter. Like the the universe might explode if North Carolina plays Iowa. It's funny because if you are the they are the anti Iowa, but you don't get made fun of if you have a good offense. Good point. A good like point. It's, it's it's you get made fun of for not scoring, not giving so, up points. Like Pitt, Pittsburgh is coming off a very disappointing loss to Louisville. They they lost 24-10. Their offense very bad in that game. They're going to have a get right game. Like Pittsburgh's going to score against North Carolina. The question is how many are they going to give up against North Carolina? Uh right. North Carolina's only a 3-point favorite in this game, but feels like they can they can take the the reins in the coastal if they can win this sucker. Yeah, I, yeah, uh, I, I, I think they, w- I think they are, and I think they will. I know the coastal is the coastal; it's the best, and I'm <laughs> sad it's going away. It's the only division I'm <laughs> sad to be losing, but I, I do think that the defense has had its moments or halves or you know specific. Virginia times Tech where doesn't count as a moment. They're bad against everybody. Well, okay, fine, fine, fine. Um, <laughs> in general. How about this? You mentioned Pitt is coming off a disappointing loss. I would argue Pitt's entire season is disappointing. I know that they got eliminated, that they could get back to the Coastal, but this is a team that won the ACC last year, brought back their entire offensive line, brought back all of their key defensive players in the defensive front, and have just been very mediocre. Um, You know, the offensive coordinator change, all these different things. But you had a quarterback who broke all sorts of program records, got to the Heisman finalist, meeting hang out whatever in new york the, yep. the show and to fall off this drastically i think is really disappointing which is why like i i get that they're still in the mix for the coastal but i think north carolina would be the favorite and i think they're gonna win this game yet are the only I, team in the country that has been able to like make tennessee's offense look semi-human yeah and and drake yeah. may is awesome like i i think we would talk more about drake may if north carolina's defense were better and we considered them legit contenders to win the ACC and, and they hadn't lost the Notre Dame. I think we'd be talking about it more. 
Exactly. And and the thing is, yes. the offense was effective in the game against Notre Dame. I mean, it didn't it wasn't perfect, but Notre Dame scored at will and Notre that Dame has not right scored game. at will against anybody. Yep. So, yep, yep. Yeah, I'm one with you on Drake May. He's awesome. One more before we go. Is it two, two more? We, we have two more. I'm adding about. one. I'm adding one. Oh, after okay, this. okay. We have to talk about All one right, well, more, but go ahead. We will talk about one more after this one. But the team we cannot stop talking about because the situation is so strange and frustrating for the fan base, and uh, there's a lot of Schadenfreude. I think I pronounced that word right. Uh, with everybody else, Ole Miss two point favorite at Texas A&M. You know, after watching Ole Miss against LSU last week and against Auburn the week before, I, I this might be the week that Texas A&M figures things out, out on offense. And really, figuring things out on offense might just boil down to hand the ball to Devon A. Chain and let him cook. Because they, they can't tried stop that the run. Last week, a little bit, and South Carolina was bullying him in the backfield. You know, I think A-Chain's South Carolina amazing. may have a better D. Also, but they South were Carolina's committing false start D. after yeah. false start after false start. Yeah. Yeah, they were trying to get the run game going last week and they couldn't. So, and that was concerning to me because if you're AM, that, like what you just said, is the whole thing. That's all you right. got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you can't get the, yeah, but we have seen AM get it going. So I think that I'd be very curious. I think that whether or not AM can get the running game going is the difference in the game. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. I, I also think that you might as well, right? I mean, so much of this has been about what Jimbo is willing to do offensively and to change. Um, and then obviously the pieces he has and all these different things. But are we out on Ole Miss as being a good team? Uh, I know this is the hard part of their schedule. You're going to learn stuff about them. But I'm a little surprised by the line. That I'm not bigger. out on them. I just have very little faith in their defense. Like their offense, I think, is fine. Uh, Zach Evans was was hurt last week against LSU. Uh, we'll see what what happens this week. I, I think if you have Evans and Quinshawn Judkins healthy, that that's a pretty scary thing for a defense. This does put more on the shoulders of Jackson Dart and the receivers. Now Dart in the run game is also a very dangerous weapon, but I just if, if they're not at full strength offensively, I think this could be a very close game. If if Ole Miss is what it has been offensively most of the season, I don't think Texas A and M has much of a chance. Yeah, that's that's where I am on that. So I think I yep. I think I lean Ole Miss on th- for that reason. I'm alone. leaning Ole Miss too. All right, Ari, give us give us the other game. That I'm we not need getting to- out of here, and Nicole will appreciate this without talking about Illinois and Nebraska. Oh, oh yeah. This I'm is sorry, a I, I just missed too, that one. I had that. Yeah, this ready one is, to roll. This one is is I'm just like Illinois to the Big Ten championship train right here. Like, is mm-hmm. Illinois is Illinois like Nicole? Please just. Bring some context yes. to this. Like, is Illinois yeah, good? No, they, they are good. They are the favorite in the West to get to Indianapolis, especially not Purdue loss last week. But yeah, no, they are good. I mean, Brett Bielema knows how to win in the Big Ten, and he knows how to win in this division. They have one of the best running backs in the country, one of the best defenses in the country. That is the formula. And, uh, you know, Tommy DeVito has been playing well for them. I mean, he was key in the Minnesota game a couple weeks ago, but they've already they've already beaten the teams that they needed to beat to be in position here. They've got Michigan, but they should be able to lose to Michigan and still get to Indianapolis to play Ohio state or Michigan. I mean, they're, they're I'm looking in, at their they're schedule. It's the position. only game on there. They can't win. Right. Michigan. Right. They already, they already did it. They already went through the teams that are typically good or the teams that we thought were going to be contenders this year. So even that Purdue game that's left, we thought kind of maybe that'll be it for the West, but Purdue has been 
an agent of chaos this season and they just lost. So they're falling back a little bit. Yeah, I think Illinois is pretty good. I, I like Chase. Chase Brown is one of the best running backs in the entire country. And people don't really talk about it that way. Yeah, I mean, it, if, as long as Illinois wins the games they're supposed to win and, and beats Purdue, they can lose to Michigan and they're fine because they're yep. they're three and one in conference right now. If they beat Purdue, that would hand Purdue a third conference loss. They would have be they would be handing Nebraska a third conference loss this week. That would be it. That'd be the end of it. So you could lose to Michigan. You'd have no problem. You'd have the tiebreaker. Everybody else, you could actually probably drop one more as long as it wasn't to the wrong Big Ten West team. So, yeah, I think uh, I think it's definitely trending toward Brett Bielema leading the Illini into Indianapolis. Illinois, mm -hmm. I mean, Ohio State beats Michigan by one point on the last play of the game, and it's a fluke. They win the Big Ten championship game. Michigan is a one-loss team at the end of the year, and the Illinois win for Michigan is going to be the thing that props them up into the number four spot over undefeated Clemson. Ooh. Well, listen, the the Tennessee or Georgia, depending on how that game goes, or the Ohio State or Michigan, depending on how that game goes, scenarios where the loser gets into the playoff, all of them feel very plausible to me right now. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, we have... Not been talking a lot about the playoff, right? Because it's been a very interesting season. But I think that because it's been such an interesting season, the door is wider open than usual for chaos. <sighs> I agree. Bring, I agree. Bring it on. I love that. <laughs> and how great is it that Brett Bielema can help be an agent of that chaos? Yes. Yeah. Let's go. Greatest sport in the world, everyone. That's right. We'll talk to you after the games.